Hi, uh, can I park here? Let's see. Well, sure sign says 15 minutes permits LG and RK, so maybe... I'm just going to the AT&T store for a deal at LA only. Should have taken a scooter. They're super mindful. Hi, you parking here? He's going to the AT&T store for a deal that's LA only. You didn't take a scooter? They're super mindful. mindful. <laughs> Are you a Virgo? Hey, LA, come into an AT&T store and find out how to get a smartphone for free. AT&T, more for your bargain hunter thing. That's our thing. Limited LA offers. See store for details. You are listening to Indie Radio, where we do content the indie way. Justin, clean that up. Previously on The Walking Dead. I don't want to be the one leading these people anymore. We're all going to pitch in and make sure that Sanctuary has what it needs. I need your help fixing the bridge. If the Sanctuary needs food, I'll give it to them. But... They provide most of the labor on the bridge for us. I made this decision, but this is not the beginning of something. I don't want to go through it again. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Indie Radio presents Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast, the show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie TV show right here on IndieRadio.org. And now, here are the hosts of the podcast, Kente, Jen, and Olaf. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host. I'm going to start off with the one, the only, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Awesome. What a great episode. It's kind of a an odd episode, but what a good one. Yes. I, I liked it. Yes, and I'm excited to talk about it. Also joining us is the one and only, we call him the captain, Captain Olaf Barbosa. How are you doing, Olaf? Oh, I am fantastically tired, <laughs> but uh, I like got to watch the episode. I just finished watching it, and uh, it's a good one. It's like, uh, as you probably know, around this time of the year is when I have that festival that I work with, and so for the last four days, five days, it's like I have been, you know, running like crazy and got it all finished up tonight. Got home about nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, but I'm just like, got to watch it. Man. At least you didn't have to work on a bridge. <laughs> uh, no, not not this time. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are here, and I'm looking forward to talking about this episode. And of course, uh, we have people that are watching live on YouTube. Uh, all you have to do is, uh, if you want us to recognize you, I see uh, Kareem uh, Dolphus in the chat room. All you have to do is go to the top chat, which is in the right corner of the, I mean, the right uh, side of the screen and let yourself be known. All right. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit of a uh, little bit of Walking Dead news. 
um, this is this was the episode two of the season, so we got to go back to last week's episode, and the ratings came out, and it says The Walking Dead season nine premiere ratings collapsed to season one levels. All right, so uh, um, yeah, unfortunately, the ratings for Walking Dead fell down drastically. Last year it was about eleven million. And this year it's down to six million, which, you know, we talked about this before. I mean, six million is really high for a basic cable show. But, you know, compared to what they had been doing and they had reached heights of uh, 19 and 20s in the 20s. This is really low for them. And it's all new low. So, you know, I mean, it's understandable. Season nine, you know, uh, the show's been on for a while. But, um yeah, I mean, it's it's a big drop-off, but believe me, there's so many networks that would take a show that got that, those ratings. <laughs> that got six million, oh yeah. 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 Su- Supernatural goes through <clears throat> phases like this as well, where, uh, the, you know, it's, it's, it's steady, but it goes up and down. Um, the only thing is The Walking Dead, I don't... You, you're right when you say... What else do they have that even comes close to competing with that? Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, that I think, you know, we're, we're at a point where people are fatigued with the same stuff again and again. And, and that, I think, was compounded by the fact that everybody knows that, uh, that Andrew Lincoln is leaving. And so I, I think a lot of people decided not to tune in this season simply because they already knew he was leaving which is kind of sad yeah well not only that you have uh, you know andrew lincoln leaving and then also you know Maggie's leaving uh you know lauren is leaving this season so you got two big ones leaving out this season so yeah it might be a little bit uh not too happy about it yeah. Uh, did you happen to see? I saw. I caught an article. Did you happen to see? Uh, I think we were talking last week. Uh, the of course, the unfortunate passing of Scott Wilson, and that Maggie named the the baby Herschel. He actually did get to know that they, or he actually was told and, and did actually know that Maggie's baby was going to be named Herschel before he passed. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. So I saw saw an article and I'm like, well, yeah, we were talking about that last week. But yes, he did actually get to know that the baby was going to be named after him. So, oh. um, going going back to uh, the ratings, uh, just to kind of give an idea of the fact that, of course, you know, they had a big loss with the ratings, but it's still very high. Uh, another news story came out: The Walking Dead and Monday Night Football win the week. Cable top 25 for October 1 through 7. So this basically shows you that, um, see, Monday Night Football, um, you know, which was uh, Kansas City versus Denver. It was a big game, too, um, that, you know, the ratings were so high with that. And then you look, The Walking Dead is comparable to the wild card game, Colorado and the Cubs, which was a... uh, winner-take-all situation, and also the Yankees and the, the A's as well, which was was a similar thing. 
and then you have to go down to American Horror Story just to give you an idea. Anything that's not football, like now you see where Walking Dead is, number two. Then you have to go all the way down to American Horror Story, um, which was out of the top ten, to finally get a something that is like scripted that is even you know that can compete. And then the wow. Walking Dead bonus still was up there high. So you know, and uh, oh wow, loving hip hop Hollywood. Wow, dang, that got high ratings. And then Talking Dead. So they look at this Talking Dead is the what the the fourth highest scripted thing so you know so that's you know that's really outstanding that i've heard them say that talking dead is another monster ratings pull for them for amc Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons that they continue to do it is because there is it's not just because people after the show continue to watch. It's that there is such a fan base that mm-hmm. will DVR it, come back to it again and again. Um, and so it's become almost a part of The Walking Dead. It's not like a separate show. It's like The Walking Dead. The Talking Dead follows The Walking Dead, and that's what people do. It's quite interesting. Right. And I'm sorry, that was uh, that was the, you know, the, the very important 18 to 49 um, but when you look at total viewers, you know, it, look how high it ranks compared to everything else. You got to go, dang, you have to go really far down. There's, actually, there's nothing in the top 25 as far as cable shows. So, you know, that's one reason why people keep saying, oh, the show's in trouble. The show's in trouble. I mean, it's not doing what it quite did. But, you know, I, I guess you would have to compare it to uh, Michael Jackson putting out Thriller, which, you know, sold I forgot what it was, 35 million copies. And then his follow-up record sold like 15 million. And they were saying, oh, man, it's not as big as Thriller. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. that You know, that's special when you do something like that. And 15 million is ridiculous, <laughs> you know, still. Yeah. so Yeah, that's still a, a ridiculous amount of people. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no advertiser anywhere is walking away from a six million and going, oh, geez, we could have done better. I mean, maybe they would like to, but that's let's face it in today's market. That's that is almost as good as you get. Yeah. So it's it's not all bad uh, for The Walking Dead. It's just not what it was, but it's still outstanding. So I'll take that, as <laughs> you know. <laughs> well. What is it is that in other words, what to, to consider a cable uh, show a success? What is it like they they consider it a success at what one and a half or is it two million viewers? If they have a if they have a consistent one or one to two million viewers, is it one million or two million viewers that they consider a cable show to be successful? It depends on the slot, though, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain slots. In fact, they'll they sometimes they actually move stuff around just for that very reason. Right. But uh, like I said, even like I said, even a third, it's like even half, half again, half again, what, you know, what walking did pulled in, you know, for the premiere is still considered a successful cable series. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's a, uh, it, you know, 
very few shows get what Walking Dead. I mean, no, actually, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, no show gets what Walking Dead gets. No. So, uh, you know. Uh, and, think, and especially not in the ninth season. Yeah. I mean, not that many shows make it to the ninth season, but Let let's face up. it. I mean, most shows get canceled in that third season. There's a third season syndrome that goes around. And most shows, even by the third season, are down to percentage points uh, off of the million scale. So, I mean, they, yeah. In comparison, The Walking Dead is still doing phenomenally well with viewers. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find the uh, top rated. I'm going to see all, all time and see what, if I can. Uh, I should say most watched. That would be better. Well, I can tell you what the top-rated most-watched show is. This part. I know what it is. It's like the Olaf show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to... I'll come back to this. I should have had this already. Uh... So, I, I would just, as, as we pause here for a second, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would just like to know, um, so when they approached Zach McGowan with the role of Justin... I would just like to know how they approached it with him. Did they just say, listen, we need kind of a, a, a real jerk and you're going to get beat up a lot. And by a lot, I mean like everybody's basically going to get a swing at you, even the kid. Um, and you'd have to be okay with that. And I just, I'm, I'm trying to imagine Zach McGowan's, uh, uh, you know, or his agent, the conversation that they're having back and forth. Yeah, I'm totally okay with being beaten up by everybody. This is going to be great. I'm going to really like it. He said, uh, pretty much, he's like, uh, what, what's the check? <laughs> <laughs> How much is the check? Yeah. Well, like, kick my ass. That's like, but you know, it's like, you know, he doesn't really take much. I mean, he gets beat a lot, but he keeps coming back. It's like, oh, no, look, see, I got stitches. And, you know, I mean, Daryl was just pounding him. Yeah. I'm and, a- and and he had like a little spot on the side of his face. So, in other words, he may get a beating, but he's kind of like the Energizer Bunny. He takes a lick and he keeps on ticking, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get into the, especially the stitches, but... Um, let's let's get right into the uh, episode, and we'll talk about your boyfriend, uh, uh, <laughs> Zach McGowan. Um, uh, okay, so did you guys ever see the the the, the cartoon Chowder? Did you ever watch that? Probably no. you never have. But there's no. this cartoon called Chowder, right? And there's this one line that Chowder says about everybody who says that this one particular person is his girlfriend. So I just feel like I have to channel that inner spirit and say he's not my boyfriend. Putting that out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you silly. He's not your boyfriend, but you so desperately wish he was. Okay, we got it. We got it. <sighs> all right, all right. Moving right along. Okay. Moving along. <laughs> so tonight's episode was called The Bridge. I wonder why. Uh, and the synopsis is the communities join forces to restore a bridge that will facilitate communication and trade. Someone is gravely injured at the construction site. Ooh, they kind of spoiled it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so that was tonight. And, uh, you know, first of all, I want to first start off by saying it was a very good episode. 
Uh, it was. I actually enjoyed this one way better than I enjoyed the first one. I thought I liked it too. Yeah, it, yeah, was, it was good. Very well written. The pacing was good. I thought that uh, you know it was well acted, well directed, and uh, it was really good. It was, it was uh, outstanding. I mean, anytime when you see a woman put her hands in between the legs of a pastor, I mean, come on, you can't get any better than that, right? Oh God. <laughs> Why you say, oh, God? Oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't get any better than that. Okay, so um, one thing, though, that stood out to me in this episode is I think the last thing you want is before, if you're bleeding and you need surgery, the the person who's supposed to be your doctor to have to look through the manual <laughs> before. <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that looks, yeah, you put the tourniquet in the right place. Yeah, that, that looks right. That looks, okay, we're good. Let's go ahead and chop him off. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> uh, I was, I felt so bad for him. But, I mean, it worked out in the end, but it was like, oh, boy. And, and it sucks for him because they just sent away the doctor. So. <laughs> I, I saw that coming from a mile away. Right. I mean, the moment that they sent him away, I knew something was going to happen. But I, I also feel like, you know, at the at post-apocalypse, basically the human body has become stereo instructions, you know, slot A equals, it's, it's, that's pretty bad, actually. I, I felt bad for, for her knowing how scared she had to have been, and her patient is basically consoling her, saying, it's okay, you can do it. Oh, God, that was awful. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he he the doctor it's like the you know the doctor they send him away and he's like on, oh yeah, she can do anything I can do, uh, she's ready, she can do anything I can do, and they're like, okay, you're out of here, and then the first thing first thing she gets is a, you know, she doesn't get a hangnail, she gets a you know mashed arm. <laughs> As tests go, this is a pretty big one. Yeah, you really getting you're really finding out what she can actually do. Yeah. So that's a that's a you know go for let's like talk about it's like you know trial by fire. Whew. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. When they got to look through the manual right there, mm. you're like, oh boy, mm. <laughs> oh man, that book would have just put. I'd have probably passed out from the book alone. So yeah. And hi, how ironic was it? It just happened to be open to the right page that she just flipped it right open to how to amputate an arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty wicked stuff there. Um, so uh, let's get into your favorite character and his attitude. I mean, like, what do you expect is going to happen when you push a kid down? You know, and steal the water jug. And, uh, you know, it's like, do you think that everyone's just going to stand by and go, I mean, the only thing the kid was doing was his job. But uh, I'd like to see Jen defend that. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't actually defend it, right? I actually, that's why I said, you know, seems like in his contract they said, look, you got to play a jerk. Are you, are you cool with that? Is everything good? Uh, there's no doubt that Justin is supposed to, I think, embody sort of the, um, the not the last of Negan, because I have a, a sneaking suspicion that we are not done with that 
particular piece yet. But I think he's supposed to embody the resentment of post-Negan society at the sanctuary. And I, I can't say that I don't think that that wouldn't be a thing. Um, the, the way that they have survived so far has not been the, the, the world according to Rick, the world according to Hilltop. I, I feel like this is sort of one of those situations where, although it's embodied in one particular character, this is definitely, uh, this is definitely an ideal that is pushing forward through one character. And, and that is, look, we've always had Negan. We've always done it this way we don't really quite embrace what it is that you're trying to do or maybe even understand it. And I, I think that Carol and, uh, and Rick and, and Daryl tried to sort of come to that understanding in the tent and even they couldn't get to it. So I don't think that it's necessarily like, I wouldn't defend what he did. I wouldn't defend knocking down a kid. <clears throat> At the same time, I also think that this is, just the manifestation of what is happening that that's sort of how things are going this is what i mean they even said look six people from sanctuary left the work site why did they leave the work site something's going on Mm-hmm. we're gonna find out it's coming up yes so uh yeah i'm i'm uh well we'll, we'll get to that because that's like near the end really but um yeah, I I really just liked how, how what a jerk he was in this this episode. You know, I, I and he was just unashamed. You know, he really just didn't want to be there. Let's just be honest. And you know, it, we basically saw that clashing coming. Right, we saw that this was on on the way to happening. And then when the when the the whole log situation happens, and when Daryl found out. Who was at fault? Oh man, you knew it was it. Yeah. So, but you know, not not everybody can be a paladin in the post-apocalypse. Okay, I mean, it, you know, when the zombie apocalypse comes, let's face it, <clears throat> not everybody is going to be the best. And and also, I keep thinking back over and over again to Eugene and how much I hated Eugene and how much I still actually kind of hate Eugene. And and how often he sort of like not just flipped sides, but did things that were both good and bad um, and sort of both for his own self-preservation and maybe a little something else. And I, it's really hard for me to like say that a, a particular character, unless he's Negan, is actually sort of on the wrong side of what I think the zombie apocalypse is sort of headed toward so oh no look at you defending uh your boy well it's in my genetic nature i'm sorry whatever (laughs) Uh, you ain't gonna defend me and olaf like like you he can do anything well look if you guys if you guys no i shouldn't even say that um yeah sure i mean absolutely (laughs) i'll absolutely do that for you yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I, I, I'll, I'll be your defender to the end. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to your boyfriend. Um, <laughs> so l- let's get into Carol, because Carol's, uh, you know, evolution is really interesting. And unfortunately, knowing that she's not going to be, you know, on the show much longer, 
I, I it kind of makes me feel almost like, dang, you know, I kind of like this what they're doing with uh, the Carols thing, and I kind now I kind of low key hate that she's not going to be on the show because it's like this is a really good turn I think for her character, you know, and I, I like that in this opposition is coming from within versus an outside thing, even though we know that an outside force is coming. But, um, but I like that though. I would love to see this play itself out to where she turned into like a, a villain on the show. If you count a villain as someone who's opposed to Rick, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, what we would deem a villain because very few people on the show is, totally clean right so you can make arguments that you know like you know what they always love to say if we show the the show from the start with negan's group then rick would be the villain on the show right that's right so absolutely right but using anyone that the the um the thing anyone who poses rick is the villain now on the show it'd be interesting to see how you know how it would turn out i feel like this is going to end unfulfilled you know well, you know, Carol's character arc through The Walking Dead has been so... Very few characters who started with The Walking Dead, first of all, are still around. But secondly, have done such a dramatic shift from being a, sort of a victim to claiming her own power to going overboard with that power to sort of having a bit of a psychotic break and needing to kind of be by herself for so like, I mean, Carol's character has sort of done it all aside from Rick. Carol's character, I think has come through the biggest journey of all of the characters and somehow still survived. And so there's this nice little kind of softness almost about where she is right now and where she's headed. Oh my gosh, I'm, I can't even tell you how many times I said out loud, I just love her and Ezekiel together, not because, you know, like he says, not fairy tale, but because it's just so nice to have that sense of, oh yeah, there's a tiny itty bitty bit of respite of, uh, of hope and faith attached to it. And it just seems so nice for her, especially knowing what she's been through. I, my attitude is like, I don't know, man, he's, he's going too hard to, to get Carol. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, come on, man, you the, the king. But time is limited. It's the zombie apocalypse. If you don't do it now, what, when will no, you? I'm just saying like, there's other women uh, like Carol. Why is Carol so, so special? Like hey, uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. What can you yeah, say? I, I I don't know about his heart. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> she ain't worth all that trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> you should have been tapped out. Oh oh okay all right uh, all right. Um, what's the uh, what's her name? The uh, Spanish girl. Uh oh my god! I can't believe I can't think of her name right now. Uh yeah, you know her. Anyway, you Rosita. Rosita, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. okay, well, I'm going on over to Rosita. <laughs> so. I, did, I, 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 I somehow, okay, look. First of all, I can't believe you said that because Why? Rosita and Carol, because Rosita and Carol are not even close to the same person. They're not even close to the same kind of personality at all. Rosita secondly, is hot. <clears throat> secondly, I, 
Don't you want Carol to be happy? No. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. Why? Why would oh, I God, want? I really do want her to be happy. Uh, no, look at Rosita. Come on now, look at her. I'd take Rosita. <laughs> I'd be like, Here, here's his ring, Rosita. You can have it. <laughs> I would look at it. She look at Rosita. She's doing the dynamite and everything. I would be so on Rosita. I'd be like, yeah, we we. You can be the queen. Also, I, I love that scene, by the way, where they, they've got the dynamite and uh, what's her name? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sitting at my computer, so I, I, my notes are actually not in front of me. But where she basically says to her, look, no, I don't trust you because, you know, if, if, if I had slashed you in the face, you wouldn't trust me either. That, that little interaction was so telling and so good and so Rosita. It was just so perfectly done. Such a small little interaction, but it was so perfect. Yeah, well, I'm good. Yeah, that's great. I love, but really, come on, Rosita. And I'm only saying Rosita because Sasha's not alive anymore. <laughs> oh, <poor> Sasha. <laughs> uh, if, it, hey, if she was alive, I'd be like, Sasha. <laughs> See, th- th- this is apparently why I would never live through the zombie apocalypse because I have compassion and empathy for like every single person. I want every single person to succeed, even the bad guys. And that I can see would actually cause no, quite a bit. I, no, I mean, I don't have nothing against Carol. I mean, she can, you know, it's just that if I was, if I was the king over there, I would be on over Rosita, not Carol. Carol? <laughs> I I think she's awesome though, and she's so. Carol is Carol is exactly what Ezekiel needs. No, no, uh, no. I just feel like that is as so a true. man. Well, and also speaking he's as been a man, her forever. As a man, courting her forever. As a man, Rosita is everything he needs. <laughs> Much more <laughs> times ten. So wow, I got. Wow. Why is that a wow? Why is it so surprising? Well, I'm just cheering for Ezekiel and Carol because I believe that 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 this story is long overdue. That, I'm just that like they need to have. I'm some. just like why is They've he? Why is happiness. it? Why is it so hard for him to get her? Seriously. Well, I, because of all the walls that Carol has built up. Man, because oh, Carol, I'd be like, look, it's the end of the world. I I gave you a shot. You you tripping? <laughs> I'm going to the net. I'm going to bigger, better. Well, that's not what I would think, but mm. I I just think that that he is so sweet that he that he gives her all the time in the world, even, even knowing that they really don't even have all the time in the world, and yet he still gives wait a minute. That, you are talking about so the biggest about jerk that. on the show. Like, oh, he's so great. I'm saying he Rosita. Is. No, he's not. Rosita is that she can blow stuff up. She's very beautiful. She is a fighter. You know, she makes more sense than uh, than Dustin or whatever his name was. Uh, <laughs> what's his name on the show? I forget. Uh, jerk face. <laughs> yes, but uh, yes, but attraction is not a zero sum game. Attraction is not well. This person doesn't like me, therefore I'll move on to this person. Attraction is just it just happens i mean come on the world didn't change that much in the zombie apocalypse that all of a sudden the rules of attraction have now gone out the window no i don't uh, believe that i think i think rosita wins come on even if you if you did like a if you did like a pros and cons 
I'm sure every guy would vote Rosita. Come on. It's not even Carol close. makes cookies. Rosita makes tamales. That is a skill. Rosita makes tamales. That is a cookie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ros- sorry. Rosita don't well, I'm have going to with cook. the carbs anyway. So Actually, I'm, Rosita I'm don't, Rosita don't have to cook. I'm the king, so I'll have one of my jesters <laughs> cook for us. <laughs> <laughs> when you that fine, you don't have to cook. <laughs> nah, but um, okay. So let, let's go. Let's go back to um, you know. Wait, I gotta go back to that scene. I gotta go back to that scene because because that's basically the beginning of sort of the, it was the catalyst for everything else to happen. So they blow up this pass, right? They they charge the dynamite and that draws all the walkers. And then she gets on, uh, or she says, or no, actually she doesn't say. That just draws the walkers. And then from there. It seems like everything sort of goes a little bit askew, right? Because even though the first siren goes off, the next siren, which apparently Justin was supposed to be manning, didn't go off. And so that's where sort of the big problem with the zombie horde comes in when they're going to get to the, uh, the lumber clearing area, right? I've got that right. That's the right sequence? Right. right. Yeah, because Justin, okay, so Justin didn't, didn't sound his sirens so it didn't turn the herd which which okay which uh, i'll get to in a second but the but the but what really what i think this is this is part of the this is part of the problem that the group is going to continue to face right because they are still doing things as if they are one cohesive unit and i feel like we got a little bit of information about that tonight in dialogue they're still trying to behave as if they are one cohesive unit and honestly they're not that they are still existing in group pieces. And as long as they see themselves in group pieces, which I feel like is also the glue or the thread that Michonne is trying to sort of put in so that everybody feels as if they are under one umbrella instead of feeling like they are just sort of every man for himself, that piece is sort of demonstrated in this particular vignette where we have this this idea of if one cog isn't working, everything falls apart, or it can easily fall apart. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It it makes total sense. It's just that um, you know, uh, um, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to come back to that um, because I wanted to tie everything in, in all together. But um, no, you make a great point. You know. Hola. I'm, I'm just thinking yeah, that, that from, from the standpoint of the story, and especially in this episode, the, although it was a nice story, the, the, the larger point of this episode is even though they believe that they are all behaving, and even though Rick thinks that everybody is behaving sort of cohesively, clearly under the surface, they're not. Something else is still happening. And, and it's happening with Daryl more than anybody. Because Daryl and Maggie too, but Daryl especially, is just not on board with this. No, no. not at all. Because he got because he, remember he was kidnapped by them. He was tortured by them, and so he has. You know, if you notice, the pe- two people that have the biggest issues is Maggie, who husband was beaten to death by them, and then Daryl, who was kidnapped by them. Right. I mean, that shit. Them just and, go and, away. 
At, at some point, though, and, you know, again, this is I'm sure that that in sort of subsequent episodes, we'll hear more and more about this. But the more that I understand the the quintessential story sort of of this season so far, I mean, we're only on episode two, so can't read too much into it. But the more that I sort of understand where things seem to be going, the more it seems like, OK, so at some point, either the saviors are going to be a part of the group or they're not. Now, Hilltop somehow got assimilated and Hilltop seems to be more of a group of followers than the saviors who uh, despite being a group of followers under Negan were also a group of doers whereas Hilltop is a little bit more they're they're just a little bit more passive but if if Sanctuary isn't going to be a part of the group then the question is what happens to Sanctuary do they do just do what what Maggie wanted to do in the first place and not just kill Negan but kill everybody I mean like there are some serious questions that I have about where things are in terms of morality altogether in 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 the space that we're in right now if they get rid of everybody in the sanctuary how are they any better than anybody else maybe they're not I mean maybe that's the point I don't know no I mean uh honestly uh that's one of the big issues about uh, about the season is, you know, it starts off as a, you know, you know, they did the whole thing about the future and all of this and we're all together. And you find out that it's not necessarily true. So, you know, it, and, and I, I'm not even sure if that was ever the case. I'm not even sure if that was ever the case in Alexandria. Right. Like because the, the, they can look overlook a lot of stuff because. This is who we are. This is what we want to do. But let's face it, they screwed up a lot, too. So, you know, what you said before, I think, is really telling. Mm-hmm. The story is, are you with Rick or are you against Rick? Right. And, and that is kind of the, that's where our moral compass is continually pointing. So it's not really whether there's a bigger esoteric question, or I should say a bigger philosophical question about what is good and what is bad. It's really, are you with the group or are you not? Which that, is an interesting moral slant. That is the question. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, about John Finn, who was on this episode. He was on obviously the last episode as well, and his uh, his performance was excellent. And a lot of times, I, you know, I've been critical. Yardley's been critical uh, that they'll waste sometimes really good talent and. This wasn't, thank God, this wasn't one of those cases. Uh, I thought that he did a fantastic job uh, playing this character in this episode. And I loved, you know, all the stuff about, you know, drinking and all of that. And, you know, it it was just, it was a very well done uh, moment on the show. And I didn't know where, you know, honestly, I didn't know where this was going to go. I didn't even know. I thought maybe they were going to go down there and he had turned or something. You know, like I really just didn't know where, you know, I wasn't quite sure where they were going to go with it until, you know, um, they let Brett Butler's character see him. And I think that really helped Maggie, you know, do what you can, you might want to say is the right thing or not, you know, um, and but she still she still shows that she has that ed- that edge too because even though they had that moment 
It wasn't all like, okay, I'm going to just let you go and all of that. She still kind of reaffirmed who she is and, you know, the, her whole everything on there. And I just wanted to get uh, you guys' uh, point of view on the scene with Maggie and and uh, John Finn's character. Well, oh, go ahead, Olaf. You, nah, you, go, this time. you, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the the way that I look at a lot of Maggie's interactions with people, and especially in this particular one, because it is so poignant, is I think that Maggie looks with sort of a critical eye with to, to sort of see them together was a bit of a bittersweet moment, right? She's not with Glenn anymore, but I think she understands um, that there's something deeper that happens, obviously, with, you know, the bond between two people and all of that. But I also, but I think the biggest thing for Maggie in this particular one had nothing to do with anybody except Maggie, because this reminded her of her dad, Mm -hmm. because this reminded her of a a very long ago interaction that she also had. And this idea of second chances is, I don't think that that's a mistake on the writer's part for them to bring that forward with, with Maggie as well. I, I, but I also feel like Maggie is so pragmatic that she understands that there is a difference between a second chance and too many chances. And I think that that's what she was getting at when she was talking to Michonne about Gregory, that, look, he had so many chances and he wasted them all. And here's a person in front of me who, yes, they've done something really horrific and terrible and maybe I'll have a difficult time forgiving them but they still deserve a second chance because a lot of other people are counting on them. And I feel like that was also the point of us hearing the blacksmith hammer in the background as they were talking, that, that this is this is what that means. This is the second chance to benefit more people is he's the blacksmith. He's got a lot to contribute to the community. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, like you said, because they need the plow fixed. There's going to be other things that they need, uh, you know, a blacksmith to work on. And, you know, you can't just leave him in the jail cell because, yeah, he did something, but he did something, ah, he did something, you know, he did something really bad, but it wasn't uh, completely unforgivable, unforgivable. And with his talents, too many other people are going to suffer if they leave him sitting in the jail cell. So, kind of bringing him out, like, okay, he's got somebody, he's got it, he he's got somebody standing there watching him with a gun. He can't do what he, whatever he wants to, but at least he's contributing. Yeah, and and he and he has he also has the support of someone close to him that is trying to keep him on the straight and narrow as well. I mean, you know, you heard him say to her in the jail cell, it's not your forgiveness that I need. And I I feel like that was sort of a throwback to, uh, or not a throwback to, but a, uh, an obvious sign that he knows that she will forgive him. He knows that he he's got that already sort of as an inherent understanding. What he needs is to be forgiven by the group, if you will, the outside. Right. And you know, he doesn't feel that he deserves to be still there. In other words, he thinks he should have gotten what Gregory gotten. 
God. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. heavy when you think about it. Yeah, he's like going, oh, well, <clears throat> how did he How did he say that? He was like, um, yeah, I'm here, but I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't shouldn't be here. I should be here in, in, the, in the jail, but I shouldn't be alive for what well, I tried to do. I, I think what, what he was saying was that Gregory, Gregory didn't do the actual violence, that the violence was contained within him, and that is part <coughs> of who he is. And so, you know, here's Gregory manipulated him, gave him the drink, did whatever, but, but, that, but the actual uh, physical violence came from him because that's what he's capable of. And right. I, I could see that actually as being sort of a, um, as a, as a moment of both humility and a moment of, um, wow, this is, this is what I'm capable of, you know? So I feel very sad that this is what it is, but I also have come to grips with the fact that if this had been sort of pure justice, it would have been me and not Gregory. Right. Does that, yeah, I, it, it's yeah, funny because I keep hearing people say, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. You keep hearing people say, what? "Well, I keep hearing people say that this that that the Walking Dead in this season is uh, is sort of the Wild West with zombies, and <clears throat> they seem to go out of their way again and again to sort of reinforce that motif over and over again. Because you know, when you look at a, a lot of westerns, the people who die in in the course of quote-unquote justice are not always the people who are directly representing the violence done or perpetrated against others. It's the people who are the idyllic responsible parties for that violence. And that, I think, is what they were trying to say about why Gregory had to die, because he was the one that was I did, he had the ideals that were responsible for it, not necessarily the physical action, not the muscle behind it, but all the brain power behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what she said, though. She was like, did I hang the wrong person? <laughs> you know, and she, he, he didn't. He was like, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You did the right it. thing. Yep. Nope. Good answer. Good answer. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, before we, we continue on with the episode, I want to circle back to, uh, and you, some of you guys probably know this already, what I'm about to say. But the, remember, we talked about the, the young man who uh, was assaulted by that horrible uh, Justin, who I can't wait till he uh, gets his on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, that terrible human being. Um, but um, some of y'all may know that the young man who plays him, his name is um, Maxon Lentz. Maxon Lentz is the little brother of Madison Lentz, who played Sophia on um, the early seasons of uh, Walking Dead, first the first and mm-hmm. the second season. Who's on the, the great show Bosch as well? Nice. And uh, right. her sister too. She has, a, they have another sister too. That yeah. is Mackenzie. Mackenzie, thank you. Uh, and who was on the dome? Yeah, yeah, under the dome. Under the dome, yeah. Yes. So, uh, um, yeah. For so for those who may not know, for some reason they have the these lenses get on the show. <laughs> so, well, they're good. I he mean, was, he's actually really good. And he was on. Uh, he was on under the dome as well, uh, briefly. Here goes Mackenzie. 
that can't be easy. It can't be easy to stand around with a group of adults and have to play into the 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 adult action that's happening and still maintain your own sense of character. That that's got to be hard. Like I actually give him a lot of credit. Yeah, I know. No, he's cool. But... Also, let's face it. He got to R. He got to RP. He got to act with Zach McGowan. Oh that, my that god! I, I mean, life goals. This is great. Oh my! God. I'm sure he he doesn't even think about it. <laughs> well, well, he should. No, it's like now you're talking about the lenses and the base. Uh, it's like Madison was one of the first interviews that I did. Oh yeah, at the at the convention, she was one of the first yeah, what, ones no, that I tell interviewed. People at the convention. The, I like she was in in the uh, one of the first ones that I interviewed. At what convention? So for those uh, that, that was uh, Walker Stalker Chicago. And so we, it's like uh, we interviewed uh, 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 Adrian and I. Uh, Adrian Navarra. Yeah, Adrian Navarra and I were working together. And after we got done with the interview with Madison, uh, got a picture. And Mackenzie is actually the one that took the picture of Madison and I. <laughs> so I had. I had one celebrity taking a picture of me and another celebrity. <laughs> nice. Yes, that's funny. Um, let me ask. A, uh, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say. So, what? So, what? What did you? Th <clears throat> so, aside from the the obvious, you know, jerky nature of that particular scene, <clears throat> that there was something interesting about the building of the bridge which also caught my attention and that is <clears throat> rick keeps saying that they are behind schedule for the building of the bridge and <clears throat> i would like to understand and i don't think i have a good handle on it why he feels like they are behind schedule I, because I, i'm i like i'm i get that they want to do things before a certain time and possibly before the horde gets there which is i think what i was trying that's what i was hearing but i can't quite understand why there is such a rush to get the bridge done at a certain schedule time like is there something that i'm missing is it the harvest that's coming in from hilltop it would it would help to help with that and as far as they wouldn't they'd be able to get from hilltop to there easier because with the bridge otherwise they've got a big long you know they have to go so far out of the way to get there right <clears throat> right no i get that I, I get that i get the expediency of wanting the the bridge project right. to be done i'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, but i'm like you others i'm not quite sure why he's saying they're so far behind schedule because it looked like they laid the last piece of wood in for the actual roadway to, uh, in tonight's episode, I mean, they were still working on the uh, the the superstructure of it, but looked like they put the last piece of wood in for the actual roadway. Yeah, I, I feel like there's something that we're missing there. I don't know yeah. what it is, but something is not quite clicking for me in that. Well, they, they probably they probably told the people that it was only going to be, but so long that they would have to dedicate to it to get them to agree. So they're behind schedule because, you know, it's like, you know, when you go to a group of people and say, okay, this will only take three weeks or whatever. 
and then they say, you remember, they had to get every all sides to agree to be a part That's of right. it. So mm-hmm. if they're running late, you know, then uh, now it's longer than you said it was going to be. So now there's moaning and groaning and you only said it was going to be three weeks. This is now, you know, I think that's more or less what they're referring to. Okay. Okay. That makes makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, let's, let's get to the 800 pound gorilla in this episode. And then I'm going to bring some other things up. as well to go along with it because uh, all roads will lead back to uh, Je- Dustin or whatever his name is. <laughs> you notice I'm not saying it Justin. right. Justin. You know I'm not saying it right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ethan, right? His, his name is Ethan. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, uh, the 800 pound gorilla is Negan and we finally get to see him and you know, uh, I love the dialogue between him and Rick. I thought it was really good. And I liked the whole, you know, he said, you're just getting the world ready for me. You know, I like, you know, I like that he hasn't changed his tune, even in incarceration. He probably views them keeping him alive as a weak move, you know? So he probably, in in his mind, thinks I would have killed me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like you're foolish, you know, to to uh, keep me alive, but okay, I'll take it. You're going to feed me. You're going to, you know, okay. So he's just waiting for that opportunity to get loose. And His, I just love the, it. The, their interaction right then was like, you know, he's like, you're, you're just getting the world ready for me. And it's like, I love, love the, like you say, the, the going back and forth. And Rick was like, going, do you, do you ever get tired of thinking that you're in charge? You know, do you ever get tired of, you know, thinking that you're still in charge when you're not? And like when Megan says, well, when do I get to see this new world you're creating? And Rick's like, never. You will, you will never you will never see me outside of this cell. You'll never see it. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it, it speaks, though, to a uh, to an interesting uh, dynamic that I think that Rick has always had, which is not that he respects Negan in the way that respect would normally be used, but he has a sense of awe about Negan. Um, I I don't know how to describe it. Um, There's something there that Rick is desperately trying to show him or show himself, actually. I think it's more about Rick trying to convince himself that he's on the right path and, and somehow making Negan see that the world is a better place without him, that the world is a better place when everybody works together, when, you know, uh, the Pollyannas of the world can take over. Somehow that seems like that's Rick's conversation with himself, not really Nick's Rick's conversation with Negan. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying when I say that? Oh, very much so. It doesn't feel like Rick is actually having a conversation with Negan, although he is. This is actually Rick trying to convince himself that everything that he's doing thus far is for the right and good purpose. That, you know, look, see what we've accomplished. We're on our way. Things are, this was a really hard day, but 
you know, this is what we got out of it. And I, it just, it feels so, it feels like Rick is looking for someone to kind of be that burden to bear some of the ideas that are not ideas, but bear some of the heartache that he feels about things maybe not going right. And Negan is totally not the right person, but he's the only contemporary. That's the word I'm looking for. He, Negan is the only contemporary that Rick has. Uh, I don't even think that he looks at Maggie the same way. Uh, no, not at all. I love though when he says, "Are you gonna when everything goes to shit? Are you gonna come and tell me that? Are one you gonna too? come and tell me about that day too?" <laughs> it's very good, man. He's he's an excellent. First of all, he's a great actor, and this was one of the best scenes with Negan in in a weird way because sometimes I think it's a little over the top and. You know, but I, this is really well done. Like, I have to say, the writing in this season is pretty good. And, uh, well, it's only two episodes in, but um, I really enjoyed yeah, it. So you know? far, it is good, though. Yeah, except, so far, so good. Except for that, uh, you know, the whole uh, hacky plot of, to try to kill Carol. It sounds like something on The Young and the Restless or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, hey, we can't we can be 100%, right? So, um, but, um, I, uh, I really, uh, I really enjoyed this. This was pretty good. See, sometimes Negan can be a caricature of himself, right? Without intending to, and without the writers needing to do very much, Negan becomes the caricature of Negan. And, Mm -hmm. and there's so many different levels to play that because I am Negan, because the group is Negan because Negan is Negan. It's just, I mean, it's multifaceted, but when you pull Negan away from everything else and you, and it's just this kind of solo conversation, Negan becomes less of a caricature of himself and he becomes more of a, um, this is the brass tacks of what the underpining of who Negan is by himself it, it it's like the dialogue can stand for itself because the actions don't need, there doesn't need to be any action involved. It, and it's different because usually we always see Negan doing crazy things. You know, I would really have loved to have seen Negan against the governor. That would have been epic, man. That would have been epic because, you know, they, they both kind of have a similar mentality. And, right. uh, you know, it, you know, it has been. It'll have been interesting to see if they clashed, you know. But uh, of course. Do you think Negan and Justin were friends? Oh yeah, for sure. And he's sitting there thinking, like, how are we gonna get my boy out of there? So, yeah. Oh, do definitely. you think so? I don't know. I don't know if definitely. that's true. I don't know if he's I think actually. So. I don't know. Maybe. But. I think so. Who wrote? Who wrote? Uh, We're still Negan or something to that. Effect? I know, but I know, but that doesn't see. That's what I'm saying. I am Negan is not just about Negan the person. Okay. Because I am Negan is the sanctuary understanding that we are us. This is who we are. We are all Negan. And so the personification of Negan doesn't necessarily have to be the Negan figurehead, although it is. It can be it can be many different layers. And that's why saying I am Negan does not necessarily mean I am the Negan in the cellar. It means we are sanctuary. We stand by ourselves. Or it could be exactly what I said. 
But that's why I ask, you know, did you get the feel? Because I didn't. I didn't get the feeling like, you know, the no, Justin I, character was like, oh, my God, I'm, I feel so incensed. That well, Negan is in, in, in the world that I just didn't get that. In the, no, it's, it's not even just that is in the world that Negan ran. He probably had a bigger role in it. Now he's just a worker bee working on a bridge having a kid tell him how much water he needs to drink in the Negan right, world right. he probably lived uh, you know he he probably didn't uh have to listen to no kid he could have taken as much water as he wanted he probably had a better life um under there so now you, you know like to be on top and then to fall you know down to the bottom like it's not easy if you were the general in the army and then you were bust down to private yeah, I'm sure that would, you might jump out of out of a window, <laughs> you yeah. know, to go yeah. that far down. It's like you were rich and then now you're not rich anymore. You got to now live like a poor person. So you have to live. Yeah. Like, and I, you have to live I, like I, me. I, I kind of wonder if that's why he doesn't have such a problem with Daryl, too. Yeah, because he's sitting there like before, man, when in my other life, I wouldn't have to listen to no clown like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Daryl's such a. Daryl is such an uh, an every man's man, you know, in a weird kind of a way, and and I just wonder if that doesn't sort of just rub everybody in Sanctuary the wrong way. It's why I don't think that Daryl would be an effective leader of Sanctuary anyway. W- what was Rick even thinking, putting Daryl in there? Yeah, didn't even make any sense. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, I don't know for whatever reason this reminds me of Jurassic Park Two: The Lost World. The high height. Remember that from, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> even yeah, though it doesn't look like, like it, but uh, it just remind me, you know, like he's thinking he's safe up in the high height. And, you know, yeah. well, if you, well, if you read the book, uh, that's where they came after him. At. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just kind of remind me of that. I was sitting there thinking like, I wonder if they're going to somehow get them, you know, up there. But, uh, but um, I, I definitely wanted to, to before I get to the very end, uh, when we circle back to your boy, um, you know, after she My just boy. after she just molested the pastor there, she's excited. <laughs> um, you know, uh, she uh, looks up into the sky and sees a little something, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait for it. There you go. Yeah, what is up with that helicopter? Yeah, it's either a UFO or that's a not a helicopter. helicopter. That's air. That's too high for a chopper. That's a airplane. Is that an airplane? I that's an airplane. Know. That's that's the that's the lights on an airplane. Uh. That's not a helicopter. Hmm. Huh. You know what? That's interesting. Because uh, in Talking Dead, they refer to it as a helicopter. Hmm. So maybe they just don't know, or maybe it's a UFO. It could be, but <laughs> as, high, as as high up as it is, and and the way it's moving. To me, and the lights that are on it, I'm saying air. I, I thought airplane, not helicopter. You know what? That makes sense. I honestly, it, you're right. You know what you're saying, but I'm thinking maybe I don't know. They just didn't do a good job with it, or I don't know. Like, or maybe they wanted to obscure it so much that that's what they came out with. But um, yeah, but uh, the thing is, with a heli- if it were if it if it were a helicopter, you would hear it, right? See, I, I think that's what they were trying to avoid. I think they were trying to avoid that everybody would hear that it was a helicopter because they don't want everybody to react to it yet. Right. A helicopter has different lights on it. In other words, your, your, your running lights on a helicopter are, are, are different than what's on an airplane. 
No, you're probably right. So what, but it, it could be that. So what do we think that is? It, it's a. It it's a. It would be a uh, small airplane. No, no. What what do we think that that signifies? The the government is still doing something. Or somebody has seized yeah, the so, government. Uh, yeah. Right. Either the government or uh, either some somebody is still still has a plane that works and is still able to fly, you know, somewhere. Uh, there, there's more people out there than what you think. Yeah. And, and we don't know right now if the timelines between Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead have crossed, right? Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have that clue yet. Um, they're, I'd say they're close because with Morgan joining Fear... And the transition between, you know, between him from The Walking Dead to Fear the Walking Dead, his transition from there, I'd say they're a little, fairly close to the two combining. Because Morgan is, his initial thing was he was going to head back to Alexandria. And he was going to take all the, his new friends from Fear back with him. Right. So... So so we don't know if there might be some kind of another well okay so we know we know at least one character continually alludes to her secrets which clearly is sort of represented by this but we also don't know based on fear the walking dead or the walking dead if there is anything else that's cohesively left over from the government, or I shouldn't say cohesively left over, I should say any remnants or any scattered pockets, because in the beginning of Fear the Walking Dead, there certainly were plenty of them. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's still some of those out there. But I, I tend to think something different. I, I tend to think that this is not about the government per se. I tend to think that this is something else happening, a, a different kind of uh, organization or a different kind of uh, something we haven't seen before. I just, I don't think it's the government. Yeah. First of all, have you seen how our government runs? Because <laughs> I don't think they could withstand the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, uh, it, 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 it is something, it may not be government, but there is military stuff. Military, it may not be government, but there is military behind it. You know what I think I might end up doing is just going back from where we left off with fear and just go through it and catch up uh, because uh, I'm like at least two seasons behind. I think I was. Oh, at wow. The, uh, You've missed a lot. Yeah. yeah I was, I've, I've where I left off it, at, so. where I left off at was um, it was like <coughs> the mid of the third season i think it was it was uh after it was after the the um the big fire at the mexican compound Mm -hmm. and uh so i think when i started i tried to watch post that and i think i saw one or two episodes and that was about it but um wow yeah you missed a lot on there yeah i mean i i pretty much know uh you know i i'm probably um uh, like I know pretty much everything. Like I know who died of the main cast, and I know I don't know how exactly, but um, I know you know pretty much who died. Um, 
you know, as far as the main characters. I'm not trying to say too much because if they haven't, people might have not caught up. So, uh, you know, we're going to assume that people are caught up with The Walking Dead. So, uh, but as far as fear, I don't want to say too much. But anyway, so let, let's talk about this episode, though. Um, you know, I ho- hopefully we'll get more of that. Because remember, um, uh, the, the priest molester chick, um, <laughs> she... Uh, she saw a helicopter, I believe, when she was fighting the governor, right? There was one coming. There was a helicopter coming to pick her up or pick up some other people or something. There was something that she needed the flare to get the helicopter to land or something mm-hmm. because it showed up when uh, it's like when she was um, it showed up in the in the junkyard there, mm-hmm. and since she couldn't light the flare, it didn't land or whatever, and just flew off. She knows what. So she she, she knows something. She about knows what what's behind is. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about and, that. She and, does know. And and there are things in the comics which would give us some clues about what might be happening. Well, so. well, we can talk about oh, that off air. Yeah. But yeah, um, I won't talk about that. Okay, so going back to your boyfriend one last time. <laughs> I promise you. I promise all, all you right, guys. I'm just going to embrace this and say, okay, great. Yeah, he's my boyfriend. All you who uh, hate Dustin or Destiny or Susie or whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we're going to mention him in this episode. Uh, Justin. Uh, yeah. Uh, Justin. Stacy. Jen's right? boyfriend. Stacy. Right, <laughs> you, you can just call him Jen's boyfriend. Yeah, uh, you know that scene where Jen's boyfriend does that thing. Guinevere, that right? Um, no, so the, the the very end scene, um, he you know you know he decides that he's going to leave, and uh, he says I wouldn't even want to stay here. I'm leaving in the middle of the night. First of all, I wouldn't leave in the middle of the night during a zombie apocalypse, and you know like that's crazy, right? But uh, you know he's a I think he thinks of himself as a tough guy because he he took on that kid and lost. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, he lost every fight he had. This episode. I know. This was a great he episode. And, yeah, but the, uh, well, <laughs> he may have lost the fight, but if you if you look, he didn't come out too bad. I mean, I know he is not after one that, scratch. After that one fight, Daryl spitting blood, and and he didn't show any blood. Yeah, he has no no wounds at all, and after uh-huh. getting pounded, so maybe that was he's pretty not funny him. actually. Yeah, so, and as you see, look at this. Another one, bam. He's just like, maybe they weren't fans of uh, t- uh, Black Sails. Maybe that's what they're <laughs> maybe they Maybe they just wanted to protect his pretty face. I don't know. Daryl was laying into that pretty face quite a bit. I know. I but, loved it. That know, was a great Darryl's scene. Daryl's face is, uh, I'm sorry, everybody's going to hate me, but Daryl's face is, okay. I mean, it's okay to kind of get messed up. And I don't say that because I think Daryl is ugly or anything. Although I'm not a huge fan, but you know, Daryl has sort of that. Uh, a couple scars on Daryl would probably make him look better, but you know, there's certain characters that just don't sort of fit well with that. So, so we're, right. we're gonna. I, I would like to know uh-huh. why you would leave the camp in the middle of the night. That's what I just said. First of all, <laughs> okay, yes, but 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 on top of that, he was also drinking, right? Which makes me like, okay, so let's just add double jeopardy. How did he live of... this long after the, the apocalypse? <laughs> I mean, that, that's the, wow, that was pretty bad. And then, and then 
clearly he knows the person right. that accosted him. Um, and that makes me sort of think that this is all Negan related again. Yes. I, I agree. I think it all roads go back to Negan, not your boyfriend. So who's left? Who's, who's left that could be organizing something or accosting people, uh, maybe keeping him prisoner? Maybe Zombie Simon. Because remember they were saying... Is Zombie Simon they were saying doing it? The, what's that? Zombie Simon is doing it. <laughs> zombie Simon. There we go. What happened, remember to, how it, what happened to the dude with the, the burn face that was kind of going back and forth? Did the, he die? Oh, Dwight. Dwight, yeah. Did Dwight yeah. die? No. So where's he at? Did they ever mention what happened to him? Uh, well, last episode, they, he was kind of, <clears throat> he got in a little bit of trouble. Dwight? Was he in the last episode? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what happened? I'm trying to remember. He was just at Sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see, you don't make me... Brain I don't think it was anything one? big. Alright, let me... But... But, but, the, well, well, he was at he was at that scene. He was in the scene when they it's like uh, Eugene uh, messed with the uh, guns so that they blew up in their face. In other words, he didn't. It's like Dwight didn't have one, but he had that. He had the shirt on that Daryl had that had the A on it. Right. And say so he, he might have just run off, but he didn't. He was. I think he's still alive. Yeah. And I hear that we're going to find out what happened to Heath this year. Also, uh, there, there must be a reason for uh, Eugene saying, or, no, was it Eugene? I forgot who it was that said <clears throat> that um, of the people in Sanctuary who had gone off, who had left, um, some of them never made it back to Sanctuary. And they were really upset about that because some of them didn't seem like the type of people that would just run off and leave. Right. Like, they were people that had families. They were people that had ties. Right. <clears throat> so that that seems like maybe there's a level of nefariousness happening that is not just <clears throat> people are just abandoning the work site or something. Right. Well, didn't they send some of the sanctuary or the yeah sanctuary people to Hilltop with supposedly some ethanol and they never made it? Yeah. That, uh, that, the ethanol, the ethanol, the numbers, the fuel disappeared, and so did the sanctuary people. Disappeared. Yeah. So they don't know if they got zombie, zombie, as like Walker attacked, or if they just deserted. So you know, this doesn't seem like it's the like it's the prelude to the whispers, but it's something. There's some. Some some intermittent issue is happening. I don't know what it is, but it's it that it's an interesting. It's definitely interesting, mm. just to think. And it seems like it's only sanctuary people that are being targeted because I didn't hear them say anybody from Seaside or anybody from Hilltop or anybody like nobody else is just missing. Right. So it's got to be a Negan thing. It has to be. Uh, I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull him up to see what he's doing. Uh, well, he's going to be in this you know, season, the, so it, he's listed in this. But season. I was just going to say, can you look him up? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking him up now, and it doesn't. It lists him at like the back half of, of the 
this season. Oh. Yeah. So maybe whatever is revealed. Like it says, the first episode it has in my end is 9-14. From, so that's next year. So let me pull it up. Because I was sitting there like, okay, I knew I wasn't on drugs. Uh, I was like, yeah. See, it says 9-14 is his first episode. So wouldn't that be today? No, no, no. 9-14 is episode 9. I'm sorry, season 9, uh, episode 14. 14. Oh, episode 14. I yeah. thought you were saying, okay. 9-14, that would be September I, I right. I thought you were saying season nine, but for the fourteenth day, like today, like today's date. No. Yeah. Oh no. Gotcha. So your season episode fourteen of season nine. Is that what you're saying? So, so do we think so the, is the and I, I mean, you know, obviously nobody's really going to know at this point. But do you think that the running conjecture should be that uh, that not only is sort of the Negan idea not dead? But is it that it has, or it will morph into something else? Can we see that that could happen? Remember, they don't have any guns. Mm-hmm. They've been stripped of all their weapons. Well, all their guns, maybe not all their weapons. So they're, I mean, they're really on their own when it comes to being protected. So is it possible that, that there's something maybe, maybe going on on that side? Like... They resent not just not being taken care of, but they also resent not having weapons. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Like, where else could they get weapons? They, well, I mean, it's like they're the whole thing is they are now in a situation that they weren't in. Where, you know, when you were the top dog, you were the, the one that you were the straw that stirred the drink. And then now you are in a situation where you're underneath someone else's thumb. And even though they're way better to to them than they were to anyone else, you know, that's, that's what it is, man. They just hate being in this situation. They want, well, and I can't, yeah. I, I can't imagine that Negan's propaganda for the last two seasons has just dropped off into nothingness mm-hmm. that, you know, even if the people in Sanctuary are like, oh, yeah, you know, good, I'm glad that Negan is suffering and whatever. I can't imagine that all of the Negan propaganda against Rick and, and Alexandria is just all of a sudden, it, it's like it's been assimilated into the greater good. I don't think that's how that happens. No, I don't think so either. <sighs> and And I would think that the writers would be smart enough to not play us like that, you know, <clears throat> like... Oh yeah, okay, everything is just going to be great because and and again, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, which is <clears throat> each one of the groups sort of has its own fracture. Mm-hmm. And just because we're not seeing it necessarily in Alexandria, I feel like we've seen it in Alexandria a lot. And so now we're sort of seeing the other communities being fractured by the same types of things that mm-hmm. they that we've seen Alexandria be fractured by. But now, because it's a whole group, we're just seeing it sort of on a on a macro level instead of on the micro level that was Alexandria. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a it's a, a lot of good stuff coming, you know, with this show, and I'm looking. Also, forward I to... really loved Michonne's ending piece mm-hmm. about 
the, the, the basic common laws. I, I'm so excited about this. I just, I feel like that is, this is such a perfect Michonne piece. As much as I want to see Michonne out there hacking with, uh, with her, with her saber and her sword, I, I love the fact that Michonne has some active understanding of law in, well, not law, common rights, which it, it just feels really, it feels right. Mm. Wow. Especially with the whole governor thing. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, oh, yeah, this is such an awesome end game for that. Yeah. Now, wasn't Michonne, wasn't, wasn't she a, uh, I don't know, uh, something like a legal aid or something like that? Not a lawyer, but, you know, but it's like was a paralegal or something like that went in before everything went to shit. Yeah, she was, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. Yeah. So all it all right. makes a whole lot it of may, sense. Yeah, it makes yeah, perfect mm. sense. All right, I want to um, thank everybody for listening and, uh, of course, our wonderful panel. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, Jen. How can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? They can find me uh, on Twitter at followingbliss1 and on the web at Critical Laughs with two L's dot com and Movies Make the Meal dot com. Movies Make the Meal. And, you know, we're going to have to have some new, uh, if you can, uh, for our Wednesday uh, Halloween show, uh, it'd be great if you could come up with something for that. I was just thinking that. I was actually thinking that maybe next week I would do uh, a Walking Dead inspired menu and uh, share that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, cool. All right, so uh, what about you, Olaf? How can people get you? Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, but just don't stalk too close because I do get nervous and I do have an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> you can get me at Kente F on uh on twitter as well as you can go to our website indyradio.org that's indyradio.org next week we'll be back with all new episode of talking about walkers the walking dead podcast if you're a fan of indie radio uh tomorrow night we're having our all-male panel of our men and women talk the mars venus show oh yeah yeah it should be a lot of fun olaf will be <laughs> on that and uh this week we have uh, now on Wednesdays is at Wednesdays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have Talking Mayans, uh, the show that covers the FX drama uh, Mayans MC. And uh, <laughs> I got to add the MC on there because uh, if you just say Talking Mayans, People think you're talking about the ancient minds. And uh, I, I've had that oh, so many times. Oh, we're doing history now. Okay. Right. So we're not talking about the ancient minds. But uh, um, but so that is uh, on Wednesday. And then following that, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, we have the spotlight. And the spotlight is going to be a special episode because we will be reviewing with a panel uh, 1978's Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I haven't rewatched it yet. Uh, who knows? I might do that tonight because I just love that movie. And uh, it's going to get everybody ready because on Thursday uh, night, uh, Halloween 2018 is coming out. And I've heard, you know, I know several people who've seen it. 
Um, all the critics are gushing over this film, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing it. You know, if you know if you're a fan of the Halloween series, you know that um, there's a lot of sequels, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. very look. I'm trying to think what is the best sequel of all of them. Some people say H2O. Some people say the second Halloween. Some people say I'm talking about the Michael Myers saga. Um, some say four. None say six or resurrection. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I actually thought about uh, us talking about in some way all of them, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably hadn't seen them all. But I've definitely seen every single one, even the remakes. Uh, the re- uh, yeah, the remakes, uh, which I didn't like. Um, but um, big fan of that of that and looking forward to chopping it up talking about Halloween we're going to go in depth about that so that's all this week uh, right here on IndieRadio.org I want to thank you guys once again and we'll be here uh, next time peace thanks for listening Stop by any of the 133 Los Angeles area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.